We are finishing up this uh, series that we started uh, today. It'll be the seventh week in the 23rd Psalm. Don't you just love the 23rd Psalm? It's just such a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And what I hope that you and I are gathering from this and gaining is that for every need that, that you have, God has a name. There's this power in the name of God, and for every need you have in your life, God has a name. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that today as we wrap this up. But let's take a moment and just try to review where we've come from just one last time, kind of bring everything together. We talked about how when you read the Lord, and that's in all capital letters, that is transliterated Jehovah. And it's the name most used for God over 6,800 times uh, throughout the Bible. And it's the God who was. And so this is the God who's already walked and lived in all of you yesterday. It's the God who is. It's the God who's walking with you today. And it is the God who is to come. And so he's already living in your tomorrows. And so that ought to give you and me an enormous amount of hope and certainty and peace. And so the Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah Rohi. Everybody say Rohi. It's probably the most intimate name for God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, okay? He's Jehovah. Um, hang on a second. By this service, I tend to forget these things. Jehovah, um, thou shall not want. Blah, 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 blah. Now, don't anybody tell me. Jehovah. <laughs> Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jehovah. I was just testing, I was just to see how long it was going to take you guys. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, and so I don't need anything, I don't, don't really want anything. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. Those are beautiful pictures, aren't they? A restored soul, still waters, a green meadow and a pasture. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. He is my peace. And, and the reason this is so important is because the world we live in today is anything but peaceful, right? I mean, just again, once again, this past week, we see how chaotic our, our world is, how broken this world is. And if you and I were looking to the world to give us a sense of peace, then you're in, you're in deep weeds, okay? You're in bad shape because you're not going to find peace if you're dependent upon the circumstances of this world to give you peace. You're only going to find peace by putting your hope in Jesus Christ, okay? The Amen. Prince of Peace. And so, yeah, that's, come on, that's worth something, all right? And, and so the reason I can have my hope in Jesus is because of the character of God. His character doesn't change. It's not the circumstances of the world. It's, it's the character of, of God. And so now where do we go from there? Okay, he, he guides, his, I think what's next is he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He guides me. He is Jehovah Naha. Okay, that's the karate God. Okay, <laughs> the karate God, Jehovah Naha. And he guides me in the paths of righteousness, which is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. And so he guides me in the paths of righteousness. Where, where do we go from here? He guides me in the paths of righteousness. He... Um, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows, okay? Um, so what God is he there? Okay, uh, hang on. I, I, I keep forgetting this in every service. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I am, I'm very human. Je Jehovah Shema, okay? No, wait a second. No, 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 no. Oh, here. He, he guides me. He guides me. He's Jehovah Nahad, like, like I just mentioned a moment ago. Sid Canoe. Even the, where, where are we? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll feel if you're with me. He's Jehovah Shema. He's the God who is there. Okay, he's the God who is there. And we're going to come back around to that name today because he's the God who is present. And then he talks, and then David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff protect me. They, they watch over me. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the God who heals me. Now, today we're going to talk about how he is, again, Je Jehovah Shema. He's the God who is there. Uh, his presence is always there because we're talking about surely the goodness of God, the, the goodness and the mercy of God will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about the future. Again, this is Jehovah God who was, who is, and who is to come. He's the God who's been in all of our yesterdays. He is today and he will be tomorrow. He's Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that you tend to worry more than you should? Most of us do. Most of us worry way more than we should. We just do. We worry about everything. And I'll bet you that there's some people in this room today that you are worried about the future. You're worried about the future. You're worried about your health in the future. You're worried about the economy in the future. You're worried about the presidential election in the future. You're worried about a retirement in the future. You're worried about how you're going to die in the future. You're worried about, you know, where you're going to spend eternity. And, and so we tend to worry about these things. And when we can embrace the fact that this is Jehovah Shema, the God who is there, we really don't have reason to worry. And so today I want to share with you just three simple things from this last verse that help us to see why you don't have to worry about the future, why I don't have to worry about the future. The first one is I don't have to worry about the future because God is watching over me. I don't have to worry about that in the future because I know that God is watching over me. David says, surely, surely. Everybody say surely. Surely, surely the goodness and the mercy of God is following me. David didn't say, I hope that the mercy of God is following me. He didn't say, uh, if I'm lucky, you know, the goodness and mercy of God will follow me. He didn't say that. There was no uncertainty in his voice whatsoever. There was no ambivalence. There was no questioning. He knew that, that God was after him, watching him, watching over, following him. If you go to Psalm 145, the psalmist says, the Lord watches over all who love him. Let me just ask you a question. Do you love God? Yes. Do you, if, so if you love God, now, and again, I'm not asking you if you're perfect, because there's not a person in here who's perfect. We all have a history and a past, and you're going to mess up going forward. But, but God knows if you love him, I mean, you, you want to serve him, you have a desire to serve him, you want to follow him, you love him, you have to know that God is watching over you. It just does your heart good to know that somebody is looking out for you. 
doesn't it? I remember when I moved here uh, 27 years ago, I used to go hunting, okay? I used to go hunting uh, deer, and then uh, I got hooked in with a group of guys from church, and then I weaseled my way into their elk hunting party. And so <laughs> then I got to go elk hunting. And the first time ever in my life that I went elk hunting, we went over to Eastern Oregon to the Chess Nimish unit over near Enterprise. Beautiful country, vast country. I mean, steep. I mean, steep, steep, steep and deep. Okay, something's wrong. Steep and deep, okay? And, and I'm just vast country. I mean, you can get lost really easy over there, especially people like me. I, mean, I don't have a sense of direction, and a GPS wouldn't help, and none of that. And so it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we shot an elk, okay? A politically correct word would be we harvested one, okay? So for those of you who are meant to political correctness, we harvested uh, an elk. Well, this thing is back in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, it's like 4 o'clock. So by the time we got to it and found the thing, it's like probably, you know, 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. Then we had to gut the thing. And then, and then uh, by now, it's literally, it's getting to be around midnight. And we're back in the middle of nowhere. It's cold. And, and so we can't, we can't take it out. And so we have to leave it there and come back and say, well, and then everybody said, well, we need to mark the territory. And I says, so those of you who hunt, you know what I mean when I say mark the territory. For those of you who don't hunt, I'm not going to tell you because it's, <laughs> it's, it's just too much information. And so... We marked the territory, and then we commenced to getting out of the forest to get back to camp. Well, again, if I were by myself, I would literally be crying. I, seriously, I, if I were by myself in that situation, I would be crying like a baby. I would, I'd be, and I'd probably be going, help, help. Is there, is there anybody out there help? You know, I'd be scared to death and lost and, and all of this. But I'm with these guys, and this is nothing to them. And so we're trying to get our way out. And one of them said, well, I think we should go this way. And the other one said, no, no, I think we really should go this way. And they're debating about which way to go. The whole time, I'm not worried at all. In fact, I'm almost giddy. I'm almost like, this, this is the coolest thing in all the world because here we are. It's like 1 a.m. in the morning. It's cold. We're back in the forest. Nobody knows we're here. We're trying to get out of this place. And I'm not worried in the least. I'm, I'm actually having fun because I knew these guys know what they're doing and they will get us out of here. You see, and we did, and it was not a problem. You see, when you go through life, there are times life gets steep and it gets deep, doesn't it? And, and it's dark and it's cold and it's lonely and you're afraid. And when you know and you know, and you know in your heart that God is watching over you, then it removes that fear, and you can actually enjoy life even in the midst of the, of the difficult seasons of life. And so that's what David is talking about. He says, he watches over me. That's, that's one reason you don't need to fear the future. Here's the second reason, because God is pursuing me. He's constantly pursuing you. He's constantly pursuing you. David says... Uh, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Okay, so let's talk about that for just a moment. The goodness of God that is following us. Now, what David is not saying is that everything that happens to me is good, nor is he saying that only good 
happens to you. That's, that's not what he's saying. We, you know that, right? You know that, that only good things, that the bad things happen to you. Bad things happen to good people all the time. Bad things happen to you. So you know that's not what he's saying. What's he saying? Surely goodness is following me. He's basically saying what Paul said in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, where Paul gives us this, this encouragement. He says, we know that all that happens to us is what? What's that phrase? Working for our good. It's working for our good. There's the goodness. If we love God, there again, there's the if loving God and are fitting into his plan or called according to his purpose. The message version says every detail of our lives has worked into, into something good. Isn't that a great phrase? Yes. Every, every, when you know that every detail of your life is working for your good. God's taking it for your good. It's, it's like, it's, it's kind of like this thing back here. All of this, you know, all this stuff looks so intertwined and, 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 you know, if, if, you know, it just kind of looks like it's just strings and stuff going everywhere. But obviously you see that it spells, you know, PS 23, Psalm 23, all that mess, I mean, taken together and made in fashion and in order, it spells out something. That's exactly what God's doing with your life. He's taking the, the broken pieces of your life, the difficult pieces, the dilemmas, the problems, the ones you bring on yourself, the ones that other people cause for you. He takes all that stuff, and somehow goodness is following you. He brings good out of the difficult and the bad. This goodness is following you. But not only is goodness following you, what else is following you? Mercy is following you too. Mercy is also following you. So when you get up and, and get in your car tomorrow and you're driving down the road and you look, who's that following me? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's goodness. And who's that with him? That's mercy, okay? <laughs> so goodness and mercy, they're right behind you. They're, they're following you. They're following you. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is, is uh, the word is kesed. Okay, is, is kessid, and it means the loving kindness of God is following you. So loving kindness, it's like the grace of God. And so you've got two things that are after you, two things that are pursuing you, the goodness of God and the, and the mercy of God, the grace of God and the mercy of God. Now, what's the difference between the two? Grace basically is this. Grace is God giving to you what you don't deserve. That's grace. Grace is God giving to you and to me what we don't deserve. Aren't you glad David didn't say, surely, you know, what I have coming to me and justice is following me? Right. You know, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? You don't want what's coming to you. You don't want justice. You want grace. It's God giving to you and me what we don't deserve. And so grace is following and mercy is following. What's mercy? Mercy is grace in action. Mercy is grace in action. If grace is God giving to you what you don't deserve, mercy is God withholding from you what you do deserve. And, and so both of these are following after you. That's what David is saying. Surely goodness and mercy are following me. And so the way you and I need to see this is, is that when, when you're in the midst of pain and turmoil and dilemma and problems and, and the valleys and all this stuff of life, God is taking all of this and he's using it for your good because of his goodness and his mercy. It'd be like baking a cake, okay? I don't bake and I don't cook. But if I were to bake a cake, 
I I don't even know what you put in a cake. I suppose you put like uh, raw eggs. Do raw eggs go into a cake? Did anybody here have raw eggs for breakfast this morning? Probably not. Okay, what else goes into a cake? Flour, uh, milk, okay, and that's nasty too, milk, (laughs) and, and sugar, and flour, and baking powder, okay, uh, cake batter, and icing, okay? You take any one of those, especially some of those, you wouldn't eat them by themselves. Now, I know you would eat cake batter and, and icing by itself, but you wouldn't eat much of it before you get sick. But you don't eat any of those, and, and some of them are just downright nasty, okay? You don't eat some of that stuff by themselves. But if you put it all together, what, what do you have? You have yum. Yeah, you have a great cake, you know? Yeah, it's like, mmm, this is good. This is good stuff. And, and which, by the way, my favorite cake is yellow cake with chocolate icing. And I only mention that because my birthday is like in a week and a day, okay? So I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? It's just, some of you are wanting to know it's July 18th, okay? This is the day Super Summer for Kids starts around here, okay? That's how you can remember that. That's just a side note. And so... And so you take all that stuff and you put it together and it weaves it into something that's really, really good. But here's the problem with you and me is we find ourselves in the middle of a situation and it's like, this is hopeless. This is horrible. This is a a disaster. This is, you know, there's nothing good about this. It'd be like walking, okay, let's take the cake situation again. Let's say I'm baking a cake and you happen to come by my house and knock on the door and you come into the kitchen where I've been baking a cake. It would look like somebody actually tossed in like a little bomb and blew stuff up because there would be cake batter everywhere. There'd be flour, there'd be baking powder, there'd be stuff, you know, dishes and and all that stuff would be everywhere. It would be a mess, okay? To paint you another picture, Let's suppose you walked into the middle of a, of a heart surgery. Let's, let's say there's a heart surgery going on in a hospital, and for some reason the doctors decided to step out for a few moments to go take a lunch break, and you walked in the middle of that. If you walked into the middle of a heart surgery, you could easily conclude somebody died here. This is a murder scene. I mean, somebody actually was killed here because look at all of the blood. You know, look at the, this stuff that can hurt people. I mean, people can get stabbed with these things and people can have their throat slid and stabbed. Somebody died here in this place. When in reality, nobody died there. Probably somebody was healed there. But in the middle of it, it's like, oh my gosh, this must have been horrible. I feel sorry for that person. What a horrible way to go. You know, when in reality, no, they survived because of it. You see, sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a mess and you think, this is just horrible. This is just horrible. And it probably is. But you see, God takes all of that and he works it for your good and for his glory. And so all of this is working, but you and I don't really see it until after the fact. It's not until five years later or 10 years later. You know what I mean? Because hindsight, you know, spiritually speaking, and and even in many other ways, is 2020. I can look back on some of the disastrous situations of my life, some problematic situations in my life that God just used them for good. And it happened over and over and over again. Job, uh, not Job, but Joseph is a great example. Okay, you know, in the book of Genesis, his brothers threw him into the pit. And when he came to the end of his life, uh, at the end of that season, and, and you look in Genesis chapter 50, 
This is, these are his words. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And, and so he saw all of that working. And so you've got goodness following. You've got mercy that's following. So these, these, these things are following us. Grace and mercy are just pursuing us. Now, in your life notes, I want you to write down some things. You see, I've given you two columns there. Uh, on the left side is, is God's goodness. In parentheses, put the word grace, okay, because God's goodness is God's grace. And then on the right column, you see God's mercy. Here's the difference between the two. God's grace provides. God's grace is constantly providing for me things that I don't deserve. Mercy, on the other hand, is, is God's pardon. He's pardoning me. He's forgiving me even though I deserve punishment. That's the difference. Go back to the left side. Grace is God's uh, supplying my needs. He supplies my needs. Mercy, on the other hand, is where God soothes my hurts, the brokenness of my life. And so one is he supplies my needs, and the other is he soothes my hurts. Go back to the grace side. Grace is God. Is it, God helps me. It's through his grace that he helps me. His mercy is what heals me. It heals me. And that's God's disposition toward you. God's disposition, his stance toward you in life, it's not, you know, a, a, a scowl on his face and his arms, you know, on his hips and pointing his finger at you and, and you just, you know, you disgust me. That's not his disposition toward you. God's disposition toward you is grace and mercy. It's pursuing you. And so David says, surely the goodness and mercy of God will follow me. Now, everybody say follow. 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 Goodness and mercy are like divine sheepdogs that are chasing you. They're following after you. A shepherd would be out in front of his sheep leading the sheep, but often he would have a sheepdog or two kind of coming behind to kind of help and keep them corralled. And what's interesting about this word that's used here, when we talk about how goodness and mercy follow me, this word follow is a very active kind of following. It's, it's almost aggressive kind of following. When goodness and mercy are, it, it, the word is actually pursuing, it's pursuing me, okay? It's not like a dog that happens to be behind the sheep and it's just, you know, doing its own thing, you know, wandering around, smelling this and smelling that and, you know, stopping to pee on this and stopping to pee on that and all that. It's not that. He's aggressively following the sheep. Here's a picture of what I'm talking about right here. Here's a sheep dog and it's aggressively pursuing these sheep. You see that? It's a great, let me show you a video. Here's a video of a sheepdog and as they're learning to, to corral sheep and then get better at it. Here you go.
<laughs> Isn't that great? <clears throat> so that's God's mercy, and that's God's goodness. It's aggressively pursuing you. And, and so oftentimes when we think of the word pursue, you, you maybe uh, conjure up a negative vibe about that. But this is not a negative thing. It's not negative like a police officer pursuing uh, a bank robber. Okay, it's not that. The goodness and mercy is pursuing you. It's God pursuing you, not to cuff you, but to comfort you. He's pursuing you not to bust you, but to bless you. That's, that's why God in his goodness and his mercy pursues you all the days of my life. Not just one day, not just most days, not just some days, but every day, 24-7, the mercy and the goodness of God is pursuing you. It, it doesn't matter, you know, whether God gets up and has a bad day. You know, you and I can be really fickle. Sometimes we have good days and bad days. God doesn't ever have a bad day. He, aren't you glad that God doesn't get up one day and say, I'm really tired of being so good and kind to them. I'm just going to let them get what's coming to them. Or I'm going to withhold, you know, what they deserve. I mean, I'm not going to withhold what they deserve and just let them have it. Let them see what it feels like, you know. No, his goodness and mercy, it pursues us all the days of our life. And so, you see, I don't have to worry about the future because I know God's goodness and his mercy is close behind. And he's following me. He's pursuing me. Here's the third reason, and I love this one. Number three, because heaven is waiting for me. The reason I don't have to fear the future is because I know heaven is waiting for me. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody say dwell. The word dwell means to abide. It means to stay in the presence of, okay? I will stay in the presence of God forever, forever. Have you ever been over to a friend's house and you, you were enjoying each other's company so much? You know, you had dinner and then you were talking and, and all of a sudden one of you looked at your watch and you're, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was midnight. My gosh, I feel so bad that we've overstayed our welcome. And your friend will say, no, this has been great. I would stay longer, stay longer. You know, that's, that's the feeling of what David is saying here. He's saying, I, and I will dwell, I'll stay in the house of the Lord forever. In, in one Psalm, in Psalm 24, David said, one thing I've desired, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You cannot overstay your welcome in God's presence. And so that's what he's talking about. And so you're going to abide in his presence forever, okay? Now, what we have to understand is that your body is decaying, okay? Some of you, honestly, you're just falling apart, Okay. <laughs> In fact, you know, if, if you look at the person sitting next to you, okay, that's, that's decay. That's decay happening right now. <laughs> and in fact, the book of Romans talks about how our bodies are in bondage to decay. And so isn't it good to know that we have a new body that's being fashioned for us, that God promises a new body? How many of you are, are grateful for that? Okay. <laughs> And so in, in Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he says, we know that our body will be destroyed, 
But when that happens, God will have a house for us. He'll have a new house for us, a new body for us. And it will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home. Notice the difference. It's kind of a permanent presence there. It will be a home in heaven that will last forever. What he's talking about is this new body that you're going to have. I know you're excited about having a new body, okay? Even though we try to keep these as healthy as we can, or at least we should, you know, anyway. In fact, as I just mentioned, <clears throat> my birthday is in a week or so, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, July 18th, just in case you missed it. And so every year I get a physical. I went to the doctor Friday and I had my physical. It's, it's a birthday gift I give to my wife and to my children and my grandchildren. And I wanted to try to stay healthy. And so I went. And so, praise the Lord, my, my doctor said, you know, you're doing pretty good. You know, you've, you're actually, you've lost some weight. I've dropped a couple of pants size. My blood pressure's gone down and, uh, I'm, I'm, and all that stuff. And so not doing too bad. But the fact of the matter is I'm still going to die. I'm still going to die. And this body is going to uh, rot away. It's, 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 going to, it's going to decay. And so what we have to understand is when you die, that's not the end of you. You will go on to live forever, either in the presence of God or absent from God. One's heaven and one is hell. And so you're going to go on. And, and so we, we have the choice that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's my heart. That's my prayer for you. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies. And we're not afraid, but we're quite content to die. Okay, it, it'd be okay if I, if I die. And, and again, don't, don't take that to mean something that is not intended to mean. But he's, he's just saying It'd be okay to die because then I'll be at home with the Lord. I'll be home. And so people want to know, well, what's heaven going to be like? I mean, I'm not sure I want to go there because, you know, I spend a lot of time on this earth trying to make this a nice place. And sometimes people can get so attached to, to their earthly possessions, they don't want to die. They don't want to go to heaven. Listen, heaven's going to be a whole lot better than this is. So what's it going to be like? I don't Here's some words you might write down. Heaven's going to be a place of, uh, I think, reward. You'll be rewarded for the, for the good deeds that you've done. I think there are rewards in heaven. I, I think that, that heaven's going to be a place of reunion. You're going to be uh, reunited with your family, your loved ones, your friends who've died in the Lord and have gone on before. You'll be reunited with them. I think you're going to be reassigned uh, maybe positions of ministry, of service. You know, you'll, you'll be able to serve in heaven in a way that's in total alignment with your gifts and abilities. So whatever it is you're good at now, you're probably going to be a whole lot better at it there. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll even get to do something that you wanted to do here on earth that you, that you can't, but you will do it there. For example, for me, it would be playing the drums, okay? <laughs> Now, one of the drummers that sits in on the rotation is, is, one of my, is my younger son. And every time he plays, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not jealous at all. I'm not envious. I'm, very, I'm full of pride because, man, that's my son. And, and I'm playing the drums through him. I mean, if you ever watch me over here, sometimes I'm over here even doing. I'm even playing the drums. And some of you might be thinking, you know, where's his mind? Well, I'm worshiping. By playing the, so I'm going to be the best drummer that heaven has. Brian, you don't, you don't have a chance, man. I'm, I'm going to be the best 
the best drummer. And listen, you think it's loud now? Okay, man. And, and, so, and so I think it's good. Some people think that, you know, when you get to heaven, it's going to be like, you know, you got these pictures of, of having angel wings and playing a harp. You know, that's, that's not, that doesn't sound fun. I mean, here's a picture of what that looks like. That's, that's Dave Prohl, in case you don't recognize that. And let me tell you what, that is not heaven, okay? There's another word for that, but it, it ain't heaven, okay? And, and I think we're going to be released. I think that's another word that describes we're going to be released from all the pain, all the sorrow, all the brokenness, all the limitations of this earth and our flesh. In Revelation 21, it says that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of that is gone forever. Woo! I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, and then, then Peter says in 1 Peter, listen, God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It's kept in heaven for you beyond the reach of change and decay. And God, in his mighty power, will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting him. So be truly glad, be joyful, be happy. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. It's tough down here, isn't it? When you see what happened in, in the world, in Dallas this past week, and across the country and around the world, I mean, this world is so broken and so messed up. And if you're putting your hope, like Scott said a moment ago, in a president or in politics or in policies or any of that stuff, you're in for just a rude awakening. You're not going to ever find hope in those things. And, and my, my fear and my belief is that it's not going to get any better. It just isn't because the enemy's on the loose and he's going to create as much chaos as he possibly can. And that's why if you're going to have peace, you're only going to find it in Jesus, your good shepherd. The Lord, Listen, the Lord is, here's, here's the bottom line to everything we've been saying. The Lord is everything you need. The Lord is all you need. That's what you need. And so if you haven't come to faith in Jesus, my prayer is that you'll come to faith in Jesus. And if you have come to faith in Jesus, but you've been kind of putting your faith and trust in everything else but Jesus, get back in alignment with him. I want us to, to close out by reading together the 23rd Psalm. We've talked about it. Let's read it together. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and, and let's pray. God, today we are so reliant upon the truth of that, that scripture, that you are the good shepherd. 
You are the one who provides for us. You're the one who protects us. You're the one who comforts us. You're the one who heals us. You're the one who sustains us. You're the one who delivers us home safely. Lord, we put all of our hope, all of our trust in you. If there's someone here today that hasn't come to faith in Jesus, today is your day to be obedient to Jesus and to step across the line of faith and, and stop putting your faith in whatever else you're putting your faith in and put your hope and trust in Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer after me in just a moment. Some of you here today, maybe you put your faith in Jesus some time ago, but if you'd be honest, you know, you're like, you're like any old sheep. You, you have a tendency to wander off and to get distracted and even get yourself in trouble. But God still loves you. God still pursues you. God still chases after you. He brings you back to the fold. Just acknowledge your need for him. I'm going to ask if you'd repeat this prayer after me. Father in heaven, today I humble myself before Jesus and I confess that Jesus is the good shepherd. And Jesus, I need you in my life to forgive me of my sin, to save me. And so by faith, I ask you to be my Lord. I choose to follow you today. And I pray this in your name. Amen.